Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. I'm so honored to be with you here this morning um, on Mother's Day. My name is Leanne Connor. For those of you that don't know me, um, I am the worship pastor here and also wife to Brayden. Where are you? There you are. You moved closer this way. That's going to make me more nervous. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, how sweet. Wife to Brayden, mom to Susanna and Riley and um, baby girl Connor number three coming in August. We produce girls apparently in our house, so... But no, super excited to be here. Um, Happy Mother's Day to all the chauffeurs and nose wipers and snugglers and prayer warrior moms here today. And uh, we love you. We honor you. Um, I just, I wanted to take a second, hopefully without crying, to just in honor of all the moms and just, you know, the Bible talks about giving honor where honor is due. And I wanted to show a couple pictures of um, the women in my life that have helped shape me into who I am today. So if I, if I cry, just bear with me. This is my mom, my dad, Susan Price. Um, she's in heaven now. But if it wasn't for her, um, I wouldn't be who I am today. I, I looked up to her as, I was, as, as a kid, and I still look up to her today. She, has, um, she was an incredible mother and role model. Oh, my God, why did I do this? And uh, love her so much. Can't wait to see her again someday soon. So, okay, next is my grandmother, Sally Wagner, which is my mom's mom. And my two girls, that picture was taken last summer. Um, my grandma Sally is one of my best friends to this day. We talk all the time. She got my Mother's Day gift in the mail and was like bawling on the phone. She was like, I love Harry and David boxes. I don't know. I was like, I didn't know you were so in love with Harry and David. But anyway, she's awesome. Love her. Last but not least, my mother in love, Karen Connor. I love you so much. She's been an amazing role model in my life and means more to me than she will ever know. Okay, got that out of the way. Thank you, Lord. Um, Also, I just wanted to take a second this morning to, you know, Mother's Day can be, it can be great for a lot of us, and then for some, for some of us, it can be kind of hard and painful, and I I know that there's so many women that are believing and trusting God to either conceive a baby of their own or to adopt and start a family, and I just want to encourage you today to just put all your faith in the Lord. His timing is perfect, and everything that he says in his word can be yours today. The promises that are found in the word of God are for you. So keep your faith in him. Keep your eyes on him. Here are a few scriptures for you to hold on to. Psalms 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage and gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Psalm 84.11 says, No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's talking about you. Psalm 113.9, he gives a childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. Exodus 23.26, there will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land, and I will give you long, full lives. So take those scriptures, write them down, believe God, and trust God in faith that those promises are yours. Amen? Okay, can we pray before we get started this morning? God, I just thank you for your presence. Lord, I just thank you that you're here because two or more have gathered together in his name and what a time we've already had in worship and we know you're here and lord we're just so thankful for you thankful for the journey we're on with you thank you that you're the author and the finisher of our faith of our lives and we trust you completely we rely on you i look to you right now to fill my mouth with your words and i just thank you for your peace that passes all understanding in jesus name amen 
Amen. Well, it's definitely an interesting season for Brayden and I right now. Um, we thought our family was done with our two girls who are 12 and 9. Uh, yeah, I know. 12 and 9. Um, but not, uh, you know, God began talking to us about four years ago about adding to our family. And so we went to him about, he actually began to talk to me about it first. And uh, I kind of had to break the news gently to Brayden. But, um, you know, after a really long story short, um, God, I was told that I couldn't conceive uh, another, another baby. And so instead of just fretting and worrying, and um, this was about four years ago, we just, we just gave it to the Lord. And um, we trusted him. And I said, Lord, if this is something that, you know, you've ordained for our family, then you're going to have to make it come to pass because clearly there's nothing that I can do about it. And so um, we just begin to believe him and trust him. So now today on Mother's Day to be standing up here like almost seven months pregnant, six and a half months pregnant is just a true miracle. And um, I just hope that my life can be just just an encouragement to your faith, ladies, if you're here believing God for that. The Bible says that um, God is no respecter of persons, and that means that what he'll do for me or other women here, he will do for you. So hold on to that by faith in Jesus' name. Um, All right. Okay, so when Brayden asked me to preach, the Lord began talking to me about seasons. Um, You know, one of the hardest and most difficult seasons for me, and I think for a lot of people, is the waiting season, or as I like to call it, being in the middle Um, This is a time when you're pregnant, so to speak, with a promise from God or a desire in your heart, and you're just in that stretch of time where it just hasn't happened yet. The things you're believing God for, maybe it's a promotion or maybe you're wanting to get married or have a family or whatever that might be for you. So at the beginning, you're full of faith and you're hopeful and you're excited, and then the middle happens. It's like driving on that really long stretch of road where there's no exits and my worst nightmare where there's no bathrooms. That would be really bad. But you wait, you hope, you pray, and, you know, sometimes we can get really discouraged. I mean, let's just be honest. We can get discouraged in this middle season where we're like, we thought we heard God, we thought we made, you know, the right choice, and we're just waiting for God to move. We're waiting for something to happen in our lives. And you can start to feel really discouraged and wondering if God's really there at all or maybe if you made it all up in your head all along. So you can begin to feel like you've missed something or gone wrong somewhere. So today, I just want to encourage you here today, if you find yourself in this middle season, um, you know, we use the word wait, like we're going to wait on the Lord. I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the promises of God. I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for that. But I really wanted to go and see what does that word actually mean. So I, I went to the scripture, Isaiah 40, 31, and it says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, I want to highlight that word wait. The word wait in Hebrew means kavah, which actually means to bind together by twisting. When I saw that, I was like, oh, oh my God, that that is incredible. So waiting does not mean we're just sitting there on the couch, watching Dr. Phil, just waiting for God to move or change or drop a miracle into our laps. Waiting actually is a verb, and it means to picture the process of making a braid or making a rope. You're tying smaller strands all together, and you're creating something stronger. And the more strands that are twisted together or woven together in a rope, the greater the strength. 
And so this scripture of running and not running our race and not being weary, walking and not fainting, like actually fulfilling the promises of God in our lives, this can be reality. But it takes us binding ourselves to the Lord, wrapping ourselves into him, becoming fully united with him, becoming fully hidden in him. So the second meaning of that word wait means to expect. So if in the waiting season we're actually expecting then this season of our life becomes a journey of faith, and it becomes a whole different story. So moms, you know, if you've had a baby here today, um, what do you do when you're expecting a baby? Um, you know, you, you read books, you go to the doctor, you might buy some furniture, you might have a baby shower. In my case, you go back and read what to expect when you're expecting because I've forgotten everything. Um, but what you're not doing is you're not just sitting there, you know, you're not just sitting there not expecting anything, not knowing anything's about to change, not thinking about it. Um, if you're expecting, then this waiting season turns into a journey of faith. It turns into faith for your life, and it will grow you. So, you know, society today, we live in this culture, in this world where, um, you know, everything is like fast food and microwavable, and it's quick, and it's instant, and things are getting faster and faster and faster. It's like if we're not through the drive through line at Roses or Chick-fil-A in like five minutes, we're like, what's going on? Do they have to kill the chicken or kill the cow? I mean, what's that? So we're so used to everything being fast. I mean, we text people. I was telling the girls the other day about when I was little and we had answering machines. They were like, what is that? And I was like, well, it's this white little box. And the more I explained it to them, I was like the dorkier I sounded. But, um, you know, we text people and expect responses right back. But when I was a kid, my grandparents had party lines. I mean, like, it was like we had answering machines. If you're born before, like, 1985, you have to Google that and look up pictures of party lines and answering machines. But, you know, we expect everything to be so fast that in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work like that. In the kingdom of God, the process is seed and time and then harvest, it's waiting on the Lord. It's process. It's development. And so because of our culture, we can begin to think that anytime things are not happening quickly, that something is wrong or we're not doing something right. But it's vital as Christians, people, that we learn to trust God, that we have to learn to trust him. Okay, now this flies in the face of some beliefs, but did you know that God will actually purposefully introduce intentional seasons of waiting and delay in your life? He'll do this on purpose with us because he has to know that we trust him. He has to know that we're fully hidden in him. Just like Braden said last week, God, he doesn't want us to just have theories or scriptures in our mind. He wants us to have stories. He wants us to experience him. And so when we've experienced God working in our lives, if we've waited and we've trusted and we've seen things come to pass through that process, then we're becoming different people in the journey. Colossians 2, 6, I love this scripture, it says this, And now, just if you, as you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So to me, the very essence of this scripture is process and time and development. It takes a really long time for a root system of a big tree to grow down deep into the soil. There's no quick growth with God. And our faith will be grown in these times. 
And so I put together, it looks like I'm kind of a one, two, three, four kind of person, and I've put together four um, truths that I believe will help you if you find yourselves in this middle season. Uh, I certainly don't have, have it all figured out yet, but I'm on a journey too. But these are the things that have helped me and us, I believe, so far. So number one, in the middle, remember that you're in preparation. In the middle, you're in preparation. So I want to start with the story of David. Uh, everybody, who, who knows the story of David and Goliath? We learned that story when we're in Sunday school. Um, David was just a kid, and he actually went on to kill this giant Philistine warrior who came, to, who came spewing things about God, and later on he became king of all of Israel. But if you back up the story, um, you see that David actually went through just a pretty significant middle season in, be, of being in the middle. So he was actually just a sheep herder for his father's farm. He was the youngest of eight brothers. And there was a king in the land that was wicked named Saul. And God told the prophet Samuel, go to Jesse's house, which was David's dad, and anoint one of his sons to be king. And so he went to Jesse's house. I'm kind of summarizing this whole story. You should go read it. But he went to Jesse's house, and David was still out in the pasture with the sheep and the goats. And Jesse just brought in his seven older sons, the ones that were strong and good-looking and able and looked like warriors. And as, as the prophet Samuel went down the line, it was like, God, is this one the king? And God would say no. And he would go down the line, and God kept saying, no, that's not the one. And so Samuel was probably like, all right, God, uh, what did you bring me here for? But he said, Jesse, do you have any more sons? And Jesse was like, well, yeah, but David, I mean, he's out with the sheep and the goats. Well, he said, call him in. And so when he called him in and David stood there before the prophet Samuel, God spoke and said, this is the one I'm anointing to be king of Israel. This is the one. And he was just a kid. Studies show that he was like between like 13 and 15 years old. He was a kid out herding sheep and goats. And so the prophet Samuel anointed David at this point to be king. Now, mind you, there was another king in the land at that time. So this didn't happen right away. So the, the, the whole point of this story, it brings us to this point, and I want to read here. And I didn't put this in my notes, but I just want to read a short part. So after that point where he was anointed king, he was actually sent back into the, to the um, field to be with the sheep and goats. And you would think, like, well, he was just anointed king. Isn't he going to go to the palace? Isn't he going to go right up to the throne and get a crown on his head and a robe? But that's not how it worked in this scripture, and that's not how it works in our lives. David actually was sent back to the sheep and goats, even after he was anointed king of Israel. And so here's what happened. Goliath has made his appearance. David has come only to bring food for the, his brothers and the other people fighting in the battle. So David shows up, and he's talking with them, and, and Goliath, the Philistine champion, came out. And David heard him shouting his taunts to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men said? He comes out each day to defy Israel. But the king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He'll give that man one of his daughters, and he gets exempt from paying taxes for the rest of his life. Well, it really got David's attention, and he said, what, it, what does a man get for killing this Philistine? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? But when David's oldest brother heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing here anyway? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? 
I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. It sounds like brothers, doesn't it? You just want to see the battle. Then David's question was reported to the king, and the king sent for David. Don't worry about this Philistine, David said to the king. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. And this is the part I love right here. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and my father's goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. So violent. I have done this too to both lions and bears, and I'll do the, I'll do the same to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So Saul finally said, all right, well, go ahead then, and may the Lord be with you. But you know what gets me so much about this story is that had David been anointed king at age 13 or whatever and gone straight into the palace, straight to the throne, straight to the crown, he never would have gone back into the, into the field to take care of the sheep and goats. He never would have had to encounter the lion and the bear. And all the victories that he had out in the field just grew him. They grew his faith. They made him ready for this battle with Goliath. And that's where so many of us are today. God has us preparing for our future. But if we throw it off and if we just get so frustrated in it and refuse to see what God's doing in our lives, then we'll miss the preparation that he's trying to put in place in our lives for our calling. And so David was called to fight. Thank you so much. Yes. I needed that. It's just a little affirmation every now and then helps the girl. But um, So then, so he goes on, go read the story. It's so awesome. But he goes on to kill the um, Philistine with a slingshot and five rocks. And then he goes on to become the king of all Israel years later. But he never would have had that, if he wasn't prepared in that moment where that opportunity met his preparation, he wouldn't have been ready. He wouldn't have been ready. So God works in seasons on purpose. Nothing that he does is in vain. No season of waiting, no season of being in the middle is in vain. Being in the middle and in preparation is just as important as receiving the promise at the end. While you're here, God is forming you. He's molding you. He's shaping your life. He's building your life. So if we don't recognize that season of preparation, we won't take advantage of it and allow God to grow us. If you miss the season, you'll miss what God has for you in this time. Nothing, I'm going to repeat this, nothing is wasted with God. Nothing. In our, in our lives, mine and Braden's, um, you know, there's been many seasons of being in the middle. We have not just arrived here today. And uh, we're here, ta-da, ready to be pastors with no preparation, no in-the-middle season. Um, you know, from the time we were kids, I've, I feel like we've done virtually every job that there is to do in the church from the time we were little. I mean, I remember changing diapers in the nursery, scrubbing toilets. Braden's done the same. We were, then we were youth pastors. And we've just, it's been a slow journey. And not an easy journey, but did, did we know that one day we would launch a church? No, heck no. We never knew that. And we never even wanted that because, you know what, we were faithful and we were just going to be consistent where God had us until, the next, until he told us what to do next. And so God was preparing us all along for this life that we're living right now. 
So another thing about preparation, though, is sometimes it doesn't feel good, and growth can be really challenging to walk through. There's a scripture in John 15. It says, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce more. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch. But if you remain in me, my words remain in you. You may ask anything you want, and it shall be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. So we see from the scripture that this pruning season doesn't always feel good. You know, we might think, well, I should be in that place by now. Or I should, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this age. I should have accomplished this. Or I should have this in savings. Uh, my kids should be acting this way. Or I shouldn't be grieving anymore about a loss. Or there's so many things that we think I should be here. I should be here. If you'll just settle in and allow the Lord to prune you and do what he's going to do in the season you're in, he's preparing you for what's next. Growth sometimes is painful and waiting is hard. But do we want to be just Christians or do we want to be true disciples? Good-looking preacher said that last week, I think. I ripped that off. But Christians, you know, we go through the motions. Christian, oh, this is what I said. Christians go through the motions, but disciples commit to growth. I don't know about you, but I want to be a disciple. I don't want to just go through the motions. Okay, that was all number one. I promise. Two through four or faster. Okay, number two, in the middle, be faithful where you are and with what you have. Um, We've seen so many people get stuck in this middle season thinking, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not who I want to be, so I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to do nothing. But in the middle season is the perfect time to just be faithful where God has called you. You know, just... Not even super spiritual things like be on time to work. You know, honor the people in authority over you. Be a blessing to those in authority over you. Serve at your church wherever you're needed. Jump in and just get in the flow. Maybe you're believing God for a baby or a new job or to get married and have a family. Don't put off growing yourself in this season and preparing yourself for those things just because you don't have them yet. If you want to be a parent, start preparing now. Believe me, if you want to be a parent, start preparing now. Read books. Get around people whose kids you actually like, you know? Like, how are you doing this? Like, start preparing. Because in that preparing, if you're doing that, what you're saying is, God, I trust you. I trust you. My faith is in you, and so I'm going to go ahead and prepare because I know it's going to happen. It might not be on my timeline, but it's on yours, which is the best timeline. So prepare. Read books about parenting if you want to be a parent. Guys, if you're believing God for a wife, go to the gym. Lose some LBs. Like, start dressing nicer. Start dressing nicer. Quit looking for her in the clubs and look for her at church. Just saying. Just going just gonna to leave that right there. <clears throat> and if you do find her in the club, just bring her to church. So there you go. It's all good. God can redeem anything. So it doesn't matter what your current situation. <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? It doesn't matter what your current situation looks like. God will use it to prepare you for his purpose. So be faithful with what you have. Everybody has something they can give. And just because you may not have arrived yet or in your mind, 
achieved what you want to achieve yet, you have something to give. You can love somebody. You can pray for somebody. You can just take somebody to lunch and just offer an ear, give somebody a hug. I mean, you have something to give today. So don't allow the enemy to, to, to tell you that just because you haven't arrived yet where, you know, you believe your ultimate purpose is that you don't have something to give. You do today. So be faithful. Number three, in the middle, do regular checkups. In the middle season, be willing to do checkups on yourself, your soul. Am I walking in the fruits of the Spirit? If God is at work in me and I'm fully trusting in Him, I'm fully resting in Him, then these are the things I should be seeing growing in my life, found in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, um, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So if you're finding yourself anxious all the time in this middle season, if you find yourself confused at unrest, Maybe it's time to do a checkup of your soul. Because in the middle season is like, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we find out what we're truly made of. Seasons of being in the middle require us to fully rely on Jesus and become fully hidden in him. Where it's no longer me that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. I love the story that Josh shared about Lindsay. I mean, I need some H-E-B trips like that. But it's Christ in us. It's Christ in us, and so we have to become hidden in him where I can stand up here as nervous as I am, as swollen as my feet are right now, and I just know that it's, it's not me, it's Christ in me, because in my own self, I have nothing to give, but because he lives in me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, and his words can come out of my mouth and create something and create change, and so just remember, being fully reliant on Jesus and becoming fully hidden in him is what these seasons will require. All right, and last but not least, number four, in the middle, guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course for your life. The devil loves to use in the middle seasons to get us off track, and he often does it through offense. You know, in the church where Braden and I were hired, I think it was 2006, we were hired at a, a church in Amarillo, and we still love our pastors to this day and honor our time there. But let me tell you, it was not an easy time. It was not this time of just skating through. We were definitely being prepared. We were definitely having rough edges knocked off of us. And I mean, I felt like our time there at times was kind of like sandpaper. It was, it was hitting the, the rough edges, and it was really molding us and shaping us into who we are today. And there were so many opportunities for offense. There were so many times where, like, I know for a fact, I packed my office, like, twice. I was like, I, I, I can't do this anymore. But God didn't tell us to go yet. He didn't say go. He didn't say move. He has said to go there and to stay there and to plant there. And that's what we did. We didn't always agree with everything. Our, even the decisions our leadership made, we loved them. We didn't always agree. We certainly didn't always feel peace. We didn't always have enough money. But we knew that God had planted us there, and so we stayed and stayed faithful until he gave us new directions. And I just, I implore you today, the Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of God will be blessed. Plant yourself, get rooted, and if it's not here, then find where that is for you. But get somewhere and stay until God 
moves you in another direction because this is the season where he's shaping you, he's molding you, he's knocking off your rough edges, he's teaching you how to walk in the fruits of the Spirit, he's preparing you for what you're called to. And each and every one of you in this room have a calling on your life. You might not be a pastor or a musician or, you know, whatever, guitar player. You might not be called to work in nursery. Apparently a lot of people aren't. But you know what? You have a calling on your life. And it's to minister to people. It's to, it's to point people towards Jesus. That's the calling on all of our lives, no matter where we are. And so if you're here today, you're believing God. Maybe, maybe you're in an office job. You sit in a cubicle, but someday you want to be a CEO. Or, you know, you're a stay-at-home mom, but you have other desires. And, or, I don't, I don't know, whatever it is, I just encourage you today to plant and allow God to use these middle seasons to grow you and shape you and mold you. You know, in Amarillo, if Brayden and I had kicked that pressure valve to get out of the, to get some relief from that middle season, we would have never learned all that we needed to learn that prepared us for where we're standing today. And we still, we look around at the church and almost every Sunday we cry after church because we're like, God, you're so good. You're so faithful. We're just little country bumpkins. We're, we really are. I mean, like, I'm from Iran. Do you even know where that is? Some people, I saw Ben. Ben knows where that is. You know, it's just, but it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us. And if we'll go through the process, the seed, the time, which sometimes feels like forever, we will reap the harvest. Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary in well-doing. In due season, you'll reap if you don't give up. And that's where so many of us are today, I believe. We're in that season where we're just about to give up. But I just want to encourage you today. There's the promise in the end. And this season has a purpose. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.